0: It seems like every other day there's news about another massive data breach. Another week, another news story about a massive data breach. Equifax.
1: But it clearly goes to the issue of control of the data, access to the data, and how that data is
0: used. Target. I am just appalled by how poorly it's protected.
1: Home Depot. Sensitive information. Cyber thieves making off with private information. Yahoo. It's your name, social security number, birth date, driver's
0: license and addresses where you live. Applebee's. Serious negligence, so oops, I guess. And Facebook is under fire again. After those popular quiz apps on the site, they exposed the private data, get this, of up to 120 million users for years. Now, you don't be sitting there saying, Kim, I already knew that, that happened months ago. No, 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 this is brand new breaking news just this past week, that if you were on Facebook and you wondered, well, am I more like a hibiscus or an iris flower? Well, one of those quizzes that they too got your personal data. Before it was the private information of up to 87 million folks without their permission. This time, the name of the outfit, it's not Cambridge Analytica, it's nametestcom And they say that they have more than 24 million likes on Facebook. And you can take its tests through these third-party applications. And each quiz asks you to first log on through your Facebook account. Of course, that's how they get all your data. And then they have access to your profile, your age, sex, all your other private information out there. See, a Belgian researcher found a glitch. I always love when they say that. Uh, It was just a glitch. Well, it was a security problem really, but it allowed anyone to secretly access this information. Nice. So what you need to do is to check your apps associated with Facebook for this name test outfit and remove it. And I'll tell you, with all the security breaches and data sharing, I'm surprised anyone still even has a Facebook account. And then there's a company you probably never heard of, Exactus, I never did. So I went over to their website. I wanted to learn more about them. And right there on their homepage, it says that they are a leading compiler, an aggregator of premium business and consumer data with over three and a half billion records updated monthly. Okay, what exactly is this? They're a data warehouse, they're a data aggregator. And then they go on to say, that our unique triple validation data process triangulates every consumer record, individual contacts, not just households, against three active transactional files. All right, let me cut to the chase. Exactus is a company that collects all kinds of data about you and me and the rest of the country. They basically sell it to the highest bidder. The record about you contains entries that go way far beyond anything that's in the public record about you or not just your contact information we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of variables all kinds of things about you whether or not you drink if you like jack daniels or if you like miller light if you smoke if you vape. are you jewish are you catholic are you muslim what exactly is your religion whether you have cats or dogs or ferrets What do you like to do in your spare time? Do you read? Do you go out to bars? Do you bowl? Do you scuba dive? And what size jacket do you really wear? Okay, I know what you're saying. A medium felt so good that I bought a large. They know all that. And Exactus has exposed a database this past week of close to 340 million individual records on a publicly accessible server. Now, it's unclear exactly how many people were affected, but yeah, did that number sink in? 340 million individual records. So breaking it down, it's been reported it's about 230 million people and 110 million businesses. We're talking about phone numbers, home addresses, email addresses, and all those variables that I just spoke about. And I didn't know this exact number either. But when I was looking up Exactus and I saw 230 million people, 340 million records, I kind of sat back and said, isn't that kind of like maybe the entire population of the United States? Well, right now the US population is approximately 325 million. So this Exactus company in Florida exposed the records of about 70% of the entire country. Now, you have to listen to this entire Commando On Demand podcast. You are just not going to believe how one guy found a file containing all of this massive data just sitting right there out in the open on the web. It's unbelievable. And of course, I'm going to tell you what you need to do from here. So I'm Kim Commando, America's Digital Pro. Stay with me. But first, a word from our sponsors in this podcast. Now I've said this before, I'm not a lawyer and I can't give legal advice, but I do know quite a few lawyers. And I will tell you, I actually like all of them. And as a matter of fact, joining us is my good friend, Stephen Tepler. He's one of the best lawyers in the business. We are so fortunate to have him with us. And he is the best where technology meets consumer rights, the law and cybersecurity. And if you look at Steven's bio, I'll tell you, It's amazing that the guy even sleeps because I don't think he does. He's the co-chair of the American Bar Association's Internet of Things Committee, a member of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals Electronic Discovery Pilot Program, the co-chair of the American Bar Association's Internet of Things National Institute. And when he's not doing all that, he's working on his next patent. He has a ton. And he's also an adjunct professor at Nova Southeastern Shepard Broad School of Law and the Ave Maria School of Law where he actually teaches electronic discovery. And I thought, gosh, what a perfect guy to talk about this company, Exactus, and what's going on, and how did this file just suddenly just appear on the internet? And more importantly, what do we do from here? Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, here at the top of the podcast, what exactly, what's the name of the firm?
1: The firm, the firm I'm with is called Mandelbaum Salzburg, and uh, we're located in New Jersey, but my physical location is here in Jacksonville, Florida. So um, I remote, and my practice extends uh, most to most of the United States.
0: And when you, how would you define electronic discovery?
1: For non-lawyers, it's a, and for lawyers, it's a very simple definition. I find stuff on computers, or I find out why it's missing. And... But, 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 the reason that we say this is that in discovery and litigation, most of the evidence that's going to be relevant in any courtroom these days is going to come out of a computer, and we um, there's been a whole business and a whole practice that's evolved around obtaining, preserving, collecting, identifying, searching, and producing, and so that area has been um, something of my focus since probably around 2000. And uh, to this day, um, we get involved in cases where we look for electronically stored information, computer information. We um, try to find out if it's actually accurate and has integrity. And if not, we try to find out and do the forensics to investigate it.
0: So have you had a chance to look at this company, Exactus? Maybe you heard of them before, but I didn't.
1: I have heard of this company. I haven't heard a whole lot about them because typically... Companies like this are, are designed and intended to operate in the background and with as little publicity as possible because of, the, of what they do. And what they do is aggregate as much information as they can and sell it and resell it over and over and over again.
0: And who buys all of our data?
1: People who advertise to us. People who want to know demographics of a certain type of interest group and the group can be spread out over the United States or can be located in a specific area that would seem to have an interest in a certain product or service.
0: See, and this is this is what's really interesting to me is that, you know, I send out a ton of newsletters every month, right? I mean, I think we're sending out 41, 42 million electronic newsletters every single month. I mean, it's just this crazy number. And we actually have a deal with a company who fills the newsletters with ads because that's how we pay the bills, right? Mm -hmm. And so every once in a while, I'll get an email like I did this morning and it goes normally something like this. Uh, And and the guy, it's normally a guy and he's angry at me. He's mad. And And he says something like, Kim Commando, I am going to unsubscribe from your newsletters immediately because I don't like the porno sites that you're advertising in the newsletters.
1: Um, I can start or stop laughing on (laughs) command because of that.
0: (laughs) And I'm so tempted, Stephen, to write him and say, the reason why you're seeing the porno ads is because you're going to the porno sites, not because... Anything that we are doing to fill our newsletters with porno, it's the last thing we're going to put in there. But it's all the data tracking. It's all the aggregating that happens as we go about our daily lives, whether we're using a shopping card, uh, a loyalty card somewhere at the gas station or at the Safeway, or, uh, or if we're just doing something on the Internet. All these different data points are now collectively being bought and sold on the open market.
1: That's correct. Now, for your website, my guess is that um, what's being used are cookies, and cookies are used all over the internet. When I do research, when I do legal research on my computer, the research organization drops a cookie on my on my computer. There's just no way around it if you want to have the ability to use some of those services. And so, there are legitimate uses for that sort of tracking, so to speak, when. The tracking becomes surveillance-oriented, and that's where it looks like it's all heading because all of this aggregation information creates a perfect, perfect um, scenario for this. That's where we start seeing problems. And one of the issues with Exactus and the type of information that's been exposed is that this gives people... All of those data points, three, four, five data points, you can de-anonymize somebody. Here you have 400 data points on every person who they have information on. That's a huge number of of informational points from which you can glean not only where they are, who they are, what their children, uh, the age of their children, the number of their children. Uh, We're not sure about credit cards, but certainly just about everything else about their lives that, um, that can be gleaned.
0: So I, whenever, when anybody talks about these data breaches, everybody automatically thinks, oh, gosh, somebody's going to steal my identity. Does it go further than just stealing your identity?
1: It does. It does. Um, when you look at, and we spoke about this just before we got on the podcast, I talked about um, some of the informational items that, that Facebook can, um, can retrieve and unknowingly or without full knowledge by a Facebook user. And if you're using a device, a computer or a cell phone, some of the device information that Facebook collects, ready for this, would be information from and about computers, phones, connected TVs, and other web-connected devices others use that integrate with our products and combine this information across different devices others use.
0: So that's like everything
1: like everything so if you use a TV and the TV has a set of terms and conditions to use the smart functions that say you must enable uh, or you permit us to share your user information with others there is a decent likelihood that that TV manufacturer or who was ever hosting that application on the TV will sell that information or provide that information to Facebook for some sort of consideration because information has value.
0: How much, so, how much is our information really worth? I mean, so if somebody wanted to buy uh, 400 data points about Kim commando, how much money are we talking about? Are we talking about like $5, $20? It,
1: somewhere around five to $20 would be a fair estimation on it. But again, the information accretes. So it's, to, it's information up until today. And then what about the information from June to July and July to August? So you're continually creating value and not only continuing to create value, but you're accreting that value that can be related back to the information you'd already given.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how this exactest database containing close to 340 million individual records, how it was available on this file server by using that uh, search site called Shodan, which is possibly one of the creepiest places on the internet. I mean, when it came out, the whole story about it was that, and if you've never been there folks, uh, be careful if you go there and just want to put a, a, some sites, it may not be safe for work at certain parts, but the purpose was to scan the web, looking for these vulnerable internet sites, vulnerable internet connected gadgets. And the news was normally about hackers uh, finding webcams and snapping a photograph of what it finds. And so you'd go over there, you'd see images of front yards and backyards and swimming pools and bedrooms and sleeping babies and classrooms and marijuana plantations. And it was kind of called the the Internet's peeping tom to locate all these. Vulnerable cameras that that actually do use something called RTSP, Real Time Stream Protocol, to stream. But but it's a lot more than that. It's just not internet connected gadgets. Now you can go on here and kind of nosey all around, and that's exactly what this researcher did, right, Stephen?
1: That's right. That's right. Shodan is a search engine that you, that basically looks for types of computers or computing devices or connected devices that have certain vulnerabilities. And then uh, criminals basically, uh, you know, exploit the vulnerability.
0: And so this guy was on there, nosying and around, and he just happened to find a web server that had this file, files on it, with no firewall and no protection. I just find that unbelievable.
1: It happens more frequently than you might imagine. Uh, think about millions of websites and millions of people with various degrees of knowledge about how to protect their information. And you have that. What makes this stand out is uh, that this company is a huge, huge, huge revenue-generating company with probably some very, very sophisticated technology people working in it.
0: Well, they have to be, right? I mean, you would hope that they would be or you would think that they would be because if they're aggregating all these different databases – and running data analytics and providing this updated, as you said, the constantly updated information, that these these systems must be sophisticated enough to handle such a thing more than just say, you know, me running a database of, you know, a couple of thousand customers or whatever. I mean, it had to be something that was really huge. Are there any government regulations on how a company like this Exactus. I mean, we, and of course, we all remember the big Equifax breach. But are there any government regulations of how this data should be stored and how this data should be protected?
1: Unless you have um, personally identified, well, if you have personal health information that might be covered by HIPAA, there have to be certain precautions taken and certain consents given by a by a user. Uh, That's true as well with personally identifiable information, but are there federal regulations other than HIPAA and other than what the Federal Trade Commission might or might not do as an unfair or deceptive trade practice? uh, There isn't a whole lot right now that you can rely on. There's no um, right to secrecy or privacy. Information is... uh, Basically, the dissemination of information is forcibly consent-driven. You can't use most applications on the net right now or most applications that have any kind of connectivity without agreeing to give up or actually permit someone to use that information, which you own, by the way, because you generate it, for other uses and to be sold and resold. It's very, 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 very opaque. It's a very gray area, and um, our legislators have not really caught on yet. And part of the reason is um, a forty billion dollar a year company by the name of Facebook that uh, has a lot of political power, and Google has a lot of political power, and so does Amazon as well. Yeah,
0: you know, just, um, it just—it just—it just seems like with all these various data breaches and. It, you know, I hope it's not becoming white noise to the general public because, you know, the numbers are truly astounding. Eighty four million, eighty seven million, one hundred and twenty million. Right. Uh, Three hundred and forty million records that, you know, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, it just seems like every other day there's news about yet another data breach. Is it happening now because of the money train Are the hackers making the money off of it?
1: Hackers are making a lot of money off this. They sell this information. They, uh, especially credit card information, personal health information, is very, very, very valuable. Uh, these, uh, these information, these data points, can be used to create digital clones of people that can take out loans. It can enable title fraud. It can enable all sorts of digital cr- crimes that were much, much harder. To, uh, to commit in, in the physical world because access to that data was much more restricted both in geography as well as being physically guarded.
0: How exactly do the hackers sell this data? I mean, you know, we all know about the dark web and the creepy stuff that happens there. Is, it, is this primarily how it happens? The transactions are, we, we post a file and say, I have this, and if you want to buy it from me, it's going to cost you this many bitcoins?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's here it is, here's and they'll give you sample. Here's a sample of it. Go check these credit cards. See if they're good. If they're good, this is how much uh, we're gonna ch- we're gonna charge you per card. If the card has a fifty dollar limit or a five thousand dollar limit, there'll be a variation on, on the sales price. And let's not forget nation states. Nation states that are looking all the time to invade our perimeters, our security perimeters in the digital universe. And for some of them, it will help them in whatever it is they plan on doing that might not be to our nation's best interest.
0: So certainly I would think that we have like the United States task force on this, patrolling the dark web and seeing what's there. Why can't we ever like put these guys out of business?
1: It's like a Hydra-headed monster. Every time you cut the head off one, you have another set coming up. Um, You have a huge number of people who are technology-savvy, and you have a huge number of people who want to get trained that way. If you were able to attend um, DEFCON last year, the number of people, and these are people who demonstrate the vulnerability of connected devices, uh, there were thousands and thousands of people attending them. They had hacker villages that displayed, that demonstrated how easily you can hack into refrigerators and cars and medical devices and all sorts of connected devices. So this has become uh, much more than a cottage industry. It's an industry. It's a worldwide industry.
0: And of course, we all know about that website, Have I Been Pawned? And that's where you can actually see if your email address has been hacked. And you might be saying to yourself, well, you know what? I'm sure that the bad guys have all of my stuff at this point. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, coming up next on this Commando On Demand podcast, we're going to talk about what can happen to you if you get hacked, Some, some horror stories of people getting hacked, and also still to come, what you need to do to make your information safe. So stay right where you are. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're speaking with Stephen Tepler. He's the co-chair of the American Bar Association's Internet of Things Committee. Uh, Stephen, thanks again for joining us. And, you know, we always hear about these data breaches, but I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, what's the worst thing that could actually happen to me if a hacker gets all these data points about me, if if he gets my email address? Am I really that vulnerable?
1: Yes and no. Um, Typical lawyer's answer would be, it depends, but look at it this way. If you have children and somebody hacks your email address and somebody sends your child and finds out your children's address and sends you an email allegedly from you saying, meet me at the park, and then the child gets kidnapped, that can be a problem. If you have a, an email address that's been hacked and somebody does some social engineering and sends one of your acquaintances an email saying, I'm in London, I was just robbed, I have no money, please wire money to me, wire $1,000 to me, and this has been done numerous times. We've got clients done this. Um, that can happen. You can have an email that ostensibly looks like an invoice, And you may look at it and say, well, that invoice, I probably didn't get it, but I'm going to look at it anyway. So you look at it anyway, and it turns out to launch ransomware, and ransomware locks up your entire system and asks for Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency in order to unlock it. And even if you do pay for it, and even if you do unlock it, it doesn't mean that the extortionist and the blackmailer won't come back again. And so, you know, is there a problem with just emails being hacked? My answer to that is yes. And to the second part of your question, which is what kind of vigilance can we have to prevent this? It's all human. It's not technology for the most part. Look at the email that you get. If it looks odd, it probably is a bad email. If the spelling is bad, if it doesn't look like American usage of language... Uh, you can be pretty sure that the king of uh, Namibia is not sending you a million (laughs) dollars.
0: Oh, come on, really? And of everybody in the the internet, I thought for sure I was like hand selected. I was so excited by that. Um, But the emails are actually getting far more clever. I saw one the other day that supposedly was from Apple asking to verify my account. The spelling was great. The graphics looked great. The email address appeared to be support at Apple.com. Of course, I knew better. That's not where it would be coming from. But it's it would be easy for somebody who wasn't in tune with everything, that they would obviously just click on that. And I'm actually surprised, you know. You know, we've spoken about my mom. She was, you know, one of the developers of the Unix operating system. She was one of the first inventors of the video phone. She's very bright. And not too long ago, she sent me an email. She forwarded me something like, is this real? Do I really have a package waiting for me at amazon.com? I wrote, like, no, mom, you don't have a package waiting for you at amazon.com. So you really do need to be careful. You do need to be diligent. Is, is there anything with this exactest data breach that we should be especially cautious?
1: Yes, um, from the problems that I just, Told you about that I just discussed. I think that this exactus data breach, and it and you know there are t- there are two ways to look at a breach. There's an invasion, and then there's what we call an exfiltration, where the information leaves the barn never to return. And that's what looks like happened. And if that's the case, you can see a huge amount of social engineering coming from that information. Those 400 data points that people now. Uh, understand about each one of us so that they can put together an email that looks like the best spearfish you have ever seen because they'll relate to everybody you know and everything you do and say hey I know John Smith who was doing this you know 2 weeks ago at the campfire and you know we'd love to meet or you know can we do this or I'd like you to take a look at this proposal and what have you and This is the type of problem that you'll see quite apart from being able to impersonate somebody's online identity to get credit or money or what have you. But there are really societal issues that um, pose actual danger to people in the physical world.
0: So you have to do things like check your bank statements, look for suspicious activities, correct? I mean, it's probably a good time to audit your online accounts and passwords, especially true if you're using the same credentials at several websites. That's just dumb. Um, is it advisable to put a credit freeze on your accounts, do you think? It is.
1: It is. If you suspect something that uh, that has gone awry, and usually you'll get a notification of that. I don't expect to see a whole—I um, don't know what's going to happen with Exactus— Um, but I think that you, that a credit freeze is advisable. Just be careful about doing it at about the time that you're going to go for a mortgage or apply for credit or buy a car on, you know, on credit. Um, just use a little common sense about that. Um, one of the problems also with children, and, and I keep coming back to children because they are probably our most valuable, you know, assets, our physical assets. These are, these are our future um, is that people create credit accounts for children, and you never know about this because they never get um, they never get dinged for it. They never get collected against until they turn eighteen. So you can have a pile of debt that accrues on your child on your five, ten, fifteen year old child, and you won't know about it until he decides to apply for student loan. Then he has to go for this whole, uh, rigmarole about cleaning up something, uh, a problem that he never created or she never created.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that. That's an excellent point to bring up. And and I'd like to take a moment and share with all of our listeners on this Commando on Demand podcast, Stephen, that we have a brand new podcast coming with you, Stephen Tepler. I am so excited, folks. It's going to be called Cyber Law Now featuring Stephen Tepler. Stephen, tell our listeners a little bit about what they can expect.
1: There will be and thank you, Kim and thank you for inviting me to join with you in in creating this this content. This podcast is going to focus on the law and technology and security and how it affects you on a day-to-day basis, what it means to you, what you can do to make sure that you are protected, vigilant, and aware of the events that are unfolding on a day-to-day basis, like this Exactus breach. So we're going to be looking at um, having experts in the field come in, both lawyers and technologists and academics who will fill in the blanks and fill in the spaces of the knowledge that we need to know as as everyday people for how to go about keeping ourselves safe and secure online.
0: And see, that's what I love about you, Stephen Tepler, is that you have the ability to cut to the chase and tell people, tell me what they should be concerned about. What's really happening? What about their rights? What are these companies like Facebook and Google and Apple and Microsoft and the rest of them, what are they really doing? How much money are they making off of our data? And how secure are their servers? I mean, the list goes on and on. So coming soon, we have Cyber Law now as part of the whole Commando Cast network. And you'll be able to find it wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. So, Stephen, very exciting. So glad that you're joining us. And thanks for coming on board with us.
1: Thank you, Kim. I'm so glad as well. It's really exciting times.
0: If you're not already getting the Kim Commando Show on your local radio station, you're totally missing out. It's three hours every single weekend, just jam-packed. And because you love podcasts, you can get the Kim Commando Show podcast too. You just have to join Kim's Club. It's less than five bucks a month. We have senior, military, and service personnel discounts available, too. You can learn more at getkim.com. Once again, that's getkim.com. And if you just want to find your local radio station, we have four hundred top stations from coast to coast. Head over to commando.com/radio. That's k-o-m-a-n-d-o.com/radio. And thanks for joining us.